Okay. It's still two minutes. Okay, we hope that by the time I finish, it'll be nice and warm. Well, it's, uh, we have to turn the air conditioning on yesterday in order for it to be warm today. Okay, what I'd like to talk about today in the Pasha of Tetzaveh, the Pasha of Tetzaveh is the Pasha of the Big Day Kuhuna, the Pasha in which the Big Gadim this clothing worn by the Kohanim and the Kohen Gadol are described. The particular part of the Big Day Kuhuna that I want to mention is the Tzitz. The Tzitz. Now, when I was a, uh, when I was a child, I went to school and we finally got to these parashiyot. It wasn't so easy because it's hard to find a teacher who could explain what the words mean. But the tzitz was always uh, uh, understood by me as being a plate. In, in other words, there's a piece of gold, a piece of beaten gold, which you can wear around your, around your head somehow, but it, the gold is on your... What is this called? Forehead. Yeah, it's on your forehead. And somehow tied on to the head of the coin with straps, and those straps are colored the color of tchelet. Now this is sort of described in the Torah, but it's a miracle to be able to decipher the Torah to get to what I have just said. So look at the psukim. The psukim, on the first page, the psukim said, Vasita tzitz zahav tahor. Right? You should make it tzitz out of pure gold. Pure gold is something very soft, and so that you can't you can't uh, you can't really make things out of pure gold. You need something to keep the gold sturdy. Uh, so that's why gold is always measured in percentages of gold. But here it says the half tahor. Tahor means there's nothing mixed in with the gold. And that means that you should engrave on, on this gold like some kind of engraving, some design. Pituchei chotam. You should design the gold somewhere other. Visamta oto al petil techelet. Petil techelet is a, a strap of techelet or a ribbon 
of tchelet. Just like we have the color tchelet is part of the um, the tzitzit. So it's also, I mean, uh, the kohen wears several things that are colored tchelet. He wears an avnate, a belt that is tchelet, that he wears uh, the tzitz, the ribbons that hold the tzitz on his head are also tchelet. Vayala mitznefet. Now, mitznefet is the name of the hat that the Kohen wore. Uh, the Kohen Gadol wore this mitznefet. I haven't got a clue of what the mitznefet looks like, but in the books that describe the Big Day Kuhuna, or in the Machona Mikdash, if you go to the Machona Mikdash on a rainy day, you know, you go inside and they'll show you exactly what it looked like. Exactly. I don't know how they know that, but they know exactly. So that somehow the tzitz, which is a plate, should be facing the mitznefet, which is a hat. Rashi explains what that means, but that's what the Pasuk seems to say. Pasuk Lamitchet, this is the third Pasuk. And this tzitz, which is tied on to the Kohen Gadol, should be on the metzach, on the brow of Aaron. And this pasuk is totally incomprehensible, but you get a little bit of an idea that the, the words in the pasuk of Yal Metzach Aaron, this sits should be on his forehead. Vinasa Aaron et Avon Hakadoshim. Vinasa, the Hebrew word nasa to bear, also means to bear the Avon, to bear the Chataim. Which is another way of saying, when you talk about a Kodesh Bochu, it's another way of saying to forgive. Vinasat Avon, that God carries the transgressions, it means that He forgives them. Uh, you know, He bears them. Okay? But to bear something is to carry the weight of it. So if God carries the weight of the transgression, then that means that, that they are forgiven. Or at least they're not going to be punished. Right? That's what happened to Chet Egel, Right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu bore the weight of the Chet. Okay. Vaya al-Metzach Aaron v'nasa Aaron et Avon HaKadoshim. Here it says that Aaron will bear the burden. Asher yaktishu b'day Yisrael l'chol matnot kod sheihem. I don't know what the reference is. I mean, we'll see in a minute, but right now, I read the words, it's hard to know. Vayal mitzchot tamid. And he will always wear this tzitz. Whenever he does the avodah, whenever he serves God, tamid, always, liratzon lahem, ivnei Hashem, in order to guarantee that they will find favor in the eyes of God and that God will forgive them. So Rashi, there's a very long Rashi, in which Rashi tries to explain all of these elements. I just want to introduce the Rashi by saying, Upitachta ala pituchei chotam 
Kodesh Lashem. Kodesh Lashem. You see the first pasuk? It says Kodesh Lashem. Well, I, I don't know exactly what that means, but what it's taken to mean, the way everybody understands it is that pitachta Allah is some you engrave on it this tzitz kodesh lashem, the words kodesh lashem, and so the kohen gadol when he what when the when the kohen gadol was fully dressed. When the Kohen Gadol was fully dressed, he had this tzitz. And on this tzitz, engraved on this tzitz, were the words Kodesh Lashem. Okay? That's what, it, that's what, it's, that's what the Pesach is taking to mean. That's what the Pesach is taking to mean. Now there's a Gemara in Shabbos. If you turn the page, the second page, the Gemara in Shabbos says this. Vatanya. You see at the top of the page? Latanya is a brighter. Brighter means the time of the Tanoim. Right, the Tanaitic period came to an end. Let's say in 230 CE. Right, that was Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. Right, 230 CE. Uh, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed in 70, if I remember correctly, by the Romans. Before that, there was the service of God in the Beit HaMikdash. So it's hard to imagine that people didn't know at all what the tzitz looked like. But there's a machloket in the Gemara and Shabbat. The machloket is this, Vatanya, there's a b'raisa. Tzitz kemin tas shel zahav. A tzitz is a golden plate. A tas is a plate, not a, not a dinner plate. Just a, a sheet of gold, like a rectangle. A rectangle of gold. The Rochav Shte Etzbaot, ten, two Etzbaot wide. Like this. Umukaf me ozen la ozen. I know what this means. There's a machloket about what this means. Mukaf me ozen la ozen means that it, that the plate went from one ear to the other ear. That's the thing. You could put the plate on your head. It was not so hard. You could move it. It would fit in. It would fit into anybody's head. And it said on it, Kodesh Lashem. That's what the Gemara says. The Katuvalav, now listen to this. Katuvalav v'shtei shitin. Shita, in Hebrew, means a line. Right? You know, like if you write a Sefer Torah, there are lines certain number of lines in each amud, that's a shita. V'katuv alav v'shtei shitin. And on this golden plate, there was written in two lines. What was written? Yud ke lemala v'kodesh lamed lemata. That the top line on this plate said Yud ke vav ke. Right? God's name, as it's written in the Torah. And under that, it said, Kodesh L. You see it? I'm doing it the wrong way. 
Kodesh le. What does it say the pasuk? What does it say the pasuk? Kodesh Lashem. Where does the Gemara say it said on the seats? It said on top, the top line it said Hashem, Yud Kavav K. At the bottom line it said Kodesh Le. I don't know how. That's what it said. As I say, in other words, the, the, uh, when the Chachobah looked at the Psukim, they said, it can't mean that they want us to write on the tzitz what was written in the Pasuk. What was written in the Pasuk? Kodesh Lashem. There's something wrong. We'll write it, but we can't write it in such a way that it would be insulting to the Shem Hashem. That you'd write Kodesh Lashem on top and Lashem on the bottom. Can't be. So they were ready the opposite way. That's what the Gemara says. Now listen. The Gemara continues. That's Chachomim. Imagine that. He said, I was in Rome where they took all the gold. They took all the gold from the Beit HaMikdash and they transferred it to Rome. You've heard that? The Arch of Titus, right? That's connected to broad general knowledge. It's not a bad thing. He says, he says, I saw a tzitz in Rome, and on that tzitz was written Kodesh Lashem exactly the same way as it says in the Pasuk. One line, first the word Kodesh, then the word Lashem. So there's a machloket. And the interesting thing, a machloket, a machloket tanaim. The Chachomim say that, the, that Kodesh Lashem was not written in the regular way on the tzitz. But it was written Hashem at the top line and Kodesh Le on the bottom line. But Rabbi Yossi says, I was there. I saw Rabbi Lozov Rabbi Yossi, I'm sorry. Rabbi Lozov Rabbi Yossi said, I was there. I saw the tzitz. And I saw that it's written as it's written in the Torah, Kodesh Lashem. That's the Machloket in the, in the Gemara. So now let's see what some of the commentaries have to say. Rashi. You see Rashi on that Gemara? Klomar. Hashem Shalem Beshita El You write the full name of God in the upper line. Kodesh L. Underneath. It's not proper to write, when you're only writing two words, to write the letters of the other words before you write the shame Hashem. After all, they were two shitin, so what would come out would be Kodesh on the top line and Lashem on the uh, on the bottom line, or Kodesh Le, and then Hashem on the bottom line, so that really wouldn't look too nice. That wouldn't look too nice, and the reason is, Shishnei Shitin Hayu. Rabbeinu Halevi Shoneh, and he says, one of our teachers said, Kodesh Lashem Milamata, Vihihi, that it was possible there are two rows, you could write two rows, they only reused the bottom one, and on the bottom row they wrote Kodesh Lashem. 
So according to Rashi, there are already two opinions. Right? One opinion is like Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yossi, and one opinion is like the Tanakhama. Look at Tosus. You see the Tosus next to Rashi? Rabbeinotam was Rashi's grandson. We're talking about another 50 years after Rashi, it would seem. Nearly Rabbeinotam, Shayakatub Yud K. Besov Shita Rishona, Vikadesh Le, Bitchilat Shita Shnia. Vahashle Nikrayafe. So again, what did what did the Rabbeinu Tam say here? Here's the blackboard. Okay, here's the here's the tzitz. So he said, you write kodesh la on the second line, and then you sort of continue on the first line Hashem. So it's written in order kodesh la Hashem, but there is special importance granted to the word, to the name of God. Kodesh le Yudke Vavke. Kodesh le Yudke Vavke. That's the position of Rabbeinu Tam. That's the position of Rabbeinu Tam. The Chidusha Rashbah, right there in the, the Gemara Shabbat, says something like Rabbeinu Tam. Says something like Bedotam. So it seems to me, it seems to me that even though we have the Eidut, even though we have the Eidut of, uh, I'll just tell you, maybe I should tell you what the Rambam says. What? Tell you what the Rambam says. The Rambam says in the Hilchot Kleir Mikdash, Perik Tet, Kodesh milamata and Lashem milamala. Kodesh Lashem. In other words, according to the Ramam, you know that the Lamed hanging just on in the middle of the air. But the Lamed is always connected to Hashem. And there's another another um, opinion in the Rambam that it was written Bishita Achas on one line. It was written on the Kodesh Lashem, which is similar to Rabbeinu Tam. Which is similar to Rabbeinu Tam. So I think that's a question. I mean, is it curious that they have all these machlokot? There's this difference of opinion about what was written on the on the uh, <coughs> on the tzitz. If Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yehuda, Yossi says, "Look, I was in, in Rome. I saw it, and this is what it was." So what are they having an argument about? So it seems to me. It seems to me that, that even in building the Mishkan, even in building the Mishkan, uh, even though there were directives from heaven given to Moshe Rabbeinu, there were also things that were left open. There were a question of our, how we could apply our intelligence or our understanding to what it is that the Torah wants us to do. 
And so that the Chachamim thought that this idea, this notion of writing Kodesh Hashem on the tzitz was a test of our cleverness or of our ability to relate to something that goes a little bit beyond the regular work of an artisan. Could you write Kodesh Hashem just in one line, one word after the other, like it's in the, in the Pasuk? Yes, you could. But there was also, apparently, a reason to imagine that that was not the end of it, that it could be better, that there's a better way to write it on the seats. Not necessary, but a function of our understanding of things. What do I mean? Well, look at the Marsha. Let's look at the Marsha. The Marsha, you see the fourth, it's the, it's the fourth thing on the second page. Right? The Marashor says, where did they write the words Kodesh Lashem? He's not going into the question of whether one line or two lines above or below, but he says, obviously you put it in the middle. What's the middle? The middle is Bein Hainayim. Now you know that it says in the Torah that you should put the Totafot. Totafot? The Tefillin between your eyes. Now we don't do that. We don't put the Tefillin between our eyes. To the best of my recollection. We put the Tefillin over here. The Tefillin Shorosh we put over here. Now you can argue that over there is Bein Hainayim. You could make such an argument, but reading this, Marsha, about the tzitz, leads me to think that it's not. And what about the tzitz? Listen to the Marsha. Vada ya Bein Hainayim. Avalatasa ya Moshuch Yoter. But the tas, right, that golden plate, was really long. It was not only the space between the Hainayim, like, like Tfilin. Is just that space fills that space, but hatasayam l'shuch yoter would go all the way me'ozen ozen. So it would be bein ha'enayim, and also bein ha'oznayim. It doesn't say that in the Torah, but that's how it works out. It doesn't say the words oznayim and enayim, but that that's the way it works. The tzitz was lying on on the place of the brain. That's the place where the power of the pure soul rests. Because thoughts can be pure. Thoughts can be. They can really be pure. They can also be impure, but they can be pure. So that the tas, right, was there. The mokum hamoach hashem shem kochan neshamat Torah v'altein hayahat sits bein achushiyim elu ayuchniyim biyoter shehem haruot vehashema sheyek kodesh l'shem. 
that, that seeing and hearing are the most, according to the Marashur, are the most spiritual things we have. Right? Seeing and hearing, there's like a purity to them, according to the Marashur. And therefore, Kodesh Lashem is kind of a prayer. It's let's make all this work. The eyes, the ears. Let's make it, let's make it work. Okay. So you get an idea from the, uh, you get an idea. In order to expand upon this idea, I'd like to learn with you uh, something that Rav Kook wrote in the Eina Ayo. The Eina Ayo is Rav Kook's um, beginning. He only began, he wrote on, uh, on Brochos and Shmot. He wanted to write an Ein Yaakov. Ein Yaakov was a commentary on the Agadot of the Shas. And it was published like, like the Gemara. You know, you take the Ein Yaakov, it's also Brochos, the Shabbos, the Erevin, right? but it only has Agadot in it. It's like the reverse of the, the inverse of the Rif. The Rif only has the Halachot, and the Ein Yaakov only has the Agadot. But the Ein Yaakov was printed with a certain set number of commentaries. And Rav Kook wanted to write his own commentary, a running commentary on the Agadot of Shas, which he did, which he did, he was a young man, he was a rabbi in, uh, where was he, a rabbi, Shalom Yankov. you got to help me out, uh, in uh, Boisk, Boisk, Boisk. He was a rabbi in Boisk, and during the time that he was a rabbi, a rob of the city, before he came to Eretz Israel, then he came in Aliyah, and became the Rav in Yafo. But before he came in Aliyah, he was in Boisk, and he, and he wrote this commentary, which has recently been published, relatively recently. You know, they found Rav Kook wrote endless numbers of things and endless numbers of notebooks. And, uh, and many of those notebooks have not been published yet. This is something that had not been published, but today is publishing quite a very... Uh, a good edition, like a friendly edition. It's easy to read and has good references and all of that. So this is what Rav Cook said about this Gemara and Shabbat. So if you look at the right-hand column, um, I, I want to start at the end. Tzitz Nezer HaKodesh. It's line 36. Tzitz Nevesh HaKodesh. Tzitz a nazar is a crown, hakodesh, right? The sacred crown. Hanisa al haron kimin tashel zahav. That's what the Gemara. That's he's explaining the Gemara. He's explaining the Gemara in Shabbat that we learned right on the second page. The Gemara in Shabbat. It says kimin tashel zahav. Har chavav sharit shel haosher hapnimi. Lumat Hatsura Shel Zahav Hachitsona Rachav Shtei Etzbaot. So he says, Kimin Tas Shel Zahav. That's what the Gemara says. So, of course, what the Rav Kook finds jarring is that here's the Kohen Gadol going into the Beit HaMikdash to do Avodah. So, what's the last thing that the Kohen Gadol should take with him? when he goes to do the avoda in the base of Mikdash. A gold tas. A plate made of gold. I mean, is there anything in the world that represents 
You know all of those words, you know, that are popular today in certain circles? Is there anything that represents the gashmiyut of olam hazeh more than just a plate of gold? You know, like people walk around with bars of gold. You know, they have no value except that they're valuable. We can't do anything with them. So he says, he says, how could it be that HaKadosh Baruch Hu demanded of the Kohen to wear this plate of gold when he went into the Beit HaMikdash, which is a place of spirituality and being detached from the material world, and he sticks this gold thing on his head as though there's something very important going on. And he saw, Metzach Zahav, he says, isn't this a contradiction? The possibility of spiritual endowment for the Kohen who goes into the Beit HaMikdash and then the external, like he's got the Zahab on his mind. He says, that's what's on my mind. The gold is on my mind. Rav Kook says things that you know have meaning, but you don't always understand exactly what they are, what the meaning is. He says, he says, uh, uh, Why does it go from one ear to the next? Well, it's like the Maharshal said. The ears, there's like two parts to the ear. There's the listening to the noise, you know, there's like the, what do they call that? White noise, blue noise, black noise, like the ear has that disadvantage. It hears the noise even if you don't want to hear it. Right? You, you can't shut your ears too easily. So you hear things. He says, From one ear to the other, that they should be listening to what's inside of him inside of his head, inside of his mind, inside of his, you know, the capacity that he has to, to think thoughts of Kedusha and Tahara. He says, and inside of him, he has this, uh, this ability to put everything together, to make it all make sense. That's what Achdut is. It's not only the cleaving of man to God, but it's also this idea that everything in the world makes sense, that it's not that the world is a distraction or that the world is, is tearing you apart. So that, that the Rav Kook says, you know, the, the idea of meditation, you know about meditation? Meditation is when you think that everything that's real is bothering you and is preventing you from achieving something. So what you want to do when you meditate is get rid of everything real. How do you get rid of everything real? You empty your head of whatever you usually think about, whatever that is, and you put into it a mantra. Now, what's a mantra? A mantra 
without the hoopla of who gives you the mantra, who tells you the mantra, all that jazz. He says, a mantra is a meaningless statement. The glory of a meaningless statement is that if you fill your mind with meaningless, then there's nothing in your mind. Right? In other words, we're not so much in control that I can say, now I'm going to think about nothing. That's very hard. Even though the masters, they all say they can do that. But since we don't have a machine that can test it, so we don't know. But everybody can learn to meditate which means to think about nothing, which is the same as emptying your head of something. So Rav Kook had this idea, and this idea is expressed at the end of this paragraph, that what the Kohen Gadol was obliged to do in the Beit HaMikdash was to think that everything can be subsumed under the heading of Kedusha, of sanctity. And that the discovery of sanctity is not equal to running away from reality, but that reality could be absorbed into sanctity. And this may be why. You know, people know that Rav Cook was of the opinion that it was not a terrible thing to say that the Kibbutzlikim in those days, I talk about Kibbutzlikim Shalayom, who are all in business, it's like a different kibbutz. But those kibbutz nikim, the Amalekah kibbutz nikim, you know, the old heroic kibbutz nikim, they were not in business. They, they lived an ideological life. And there was an, the argument was that their ideology was not in tune with Torah ideology. But Rav Kook seemed to have said that if, you're doing a, if people are doing a mitzvah, Right? And that mitzvah was Binyan Eretz Yisrael, which they certainly were doing, even though not for the reason that the Torah directed them, but they were doing that mitzvah. So Rav Kuk was of the opinion that, that, uh, that if you do that kind of mitzvah, that you could be reabsorbed into the main ideology of the Jewish people. That people who are doing a mitzvah, who are involved in doing a mitzvah as they were, would not be excluded. They could not be put aside. Could not be put aside. I think that the ideas of Rav Kook are this, are this way, you know, are very good, but that people were not, did not have the capacity to follow him. It's like a difficult thing to do, to be able to say to somebody, I recognize your worth, but I can't eat lunch with you. You know, it's like a difficult, it's a difficult thing to, to pull off. It's a difficult thing to pull off. Rav, Rav Kook did pull it off at a certain level. It's a different story. But I would need to say is that Rav Kook thought that Kedusha could permeate the world as it was. And you didn't have to empty your head of the world. You didn't have to close your eyes and shut off your ears and face the wall in a corner someplace in order to achieve spiritual, uh, uh, a novel spiritual position. But you could somehow... You could somehow within the world, of course, you have to navigate yourself. You know, you can't be open to every... I mean, if you saw pictures of Ralph Cook, right? I mean, uh, you know, Cook wore Strymel and he had a big beard and he wore a long coat. He's not going to walk down the street and have somebody invite him to a uh, New Year's Eve party, right? It's not like Ralph Cook didn't do anything 
to protect himself from the other world. He did. But he thought nevertheless that the world could be, that there was an absorption principle. You could just see it. You see it correctly. You could see that all the people would be shutafim, would be partners in the enterprise of history and more specifically in the enterprise of, of, of creating a place for the Jewish people to live here in Eretz Israel, right? The Rav Kook died, you have to remember, always in 1935, right? Rav Kook died in 1935, long before the State of Israel, even though he probably would have been happy about the, the existence of the State of Israel, he didn't know that it was going to happen, right? You know, only Herzl knew that it was going to happen. Rav Kook didn't know. So look at what Rav Cook has to say. We're up to the next, the second column, the left column. Patuva love vishnei shitin yudke vilamala v'kodesh lava glamata. Omer avalozav rav yesi aniriti b'romi k'tiv kodesh l'ashev b'shita achat. You see, he's, he's explaining the Gemara. Listen to this. B'tzad ha'iyun ha'tahor. He says, if you look at things in an absolutely poor your form, right? You're meditating on them. There's nothing in your head besides goodness and kedusha. Then, tzarich makor hakodesh liyotamid mit ale al etzem hakodesh. And if you have to make a reference to makor hakodesh to God, to the source of sanctity, you have to put that always above. You have to put that above. Etzem HaKodesh. The things are, there's Kedusha in everything. Everything God created is filled with Kedusha, but you don't always notice it. Yudke Vavke is the source of Kodesh. Right? Yudke Vavke. Vakodesh Le. But everything that derives from God, which is the creation, everything is created by God, is also Kadosh. Vekevashi Yisod HaKodesh who moved down Minachol. Since Yud Kevavke, the Yisoda, the root of sanctity, is distinguished from Chol, from things that are not Kodesh. <coughs> so you see that the Chol is what enables you to get to the Kodesh. You strip away the Chol. You get like meditation. You get rid of everything except Kodesh. So we get up to this level where we suddenly understand understand that Kodesh and Chol are a false notion. It's false to say Shabbos is Kodesh and Wednesday is Chol. It's false because after all Wednesday was created by God no less than Shabbos. So that the distinction that God gave us, enabled us to make, was for our good. In order to be able to discover the Kodesh, but not because it's real. The Gemara says that everybody should make a bracha, the same bracha ala ra that you make ala tova, right? The tova ametiv, you should say the bracha tova ametiv. No matter what happens, because ra and tov are imaginary. They're not pure notions. In the purity of things, there's only what God did. And whatever God did is pure, is good, is holy. That's all there is. There isn't anything else. 
But because it's hard for us to grasp that, so we were given this distinction between Kodesh and Chol in order to enable us to grasp or to grab on to the Kodesh. I'm skipping till line 56. Aval imkol mashu korei b'shem Kodesh shemash ma'uti l'tzotzi et ha'chol tzorich sh'yidah sh'yodat shem Hashem hilamala b'kol ha'gdara azot so he gets again back to the world. In the world, there's the Olam Hazeh, in which there's apparently a distinction between Kodesh and Chol. And that distinction between Kodesh and Chol is there in order that we should be able to raise ourselves to the level. We should be able to have some notion that there is Kodesh. And if there's, if there's only Kodesh, we, we wouldn't know what it is. We wouldn't understand it. So, so he says, Veraka uh, Kodesh, line 59. Okay, I'm going to tell you what, what Rav Cook is saying. Rav Cook is saying is that the discussion amongst the Amoroim and the Rishonim have something to do with our understanding of the world. When the Kohen, when the Kohen went in to the Kodesh Kodoshim, and he had this tzitz on his head, so Rabbi Lozav Rabbi Yossi said, what was written on the tzitz? Kodesh Lashem. Kodesh Lashem, in other words, something for God. Something for God, meaning that there was, there is in Olam Hazer an opportunity to distinguish between Kodesh and Chol. That it's the Chol that enables us to grasp the notion of Kodesh. That's what, that's what uh, uh, Rabbi Lozav Rabbi Yossi says. And therefore, that's the job of the Kohen Gadol when he goes into the Beit HaMikdash to be able to make this distinction. However, in an ultimate sense, in an ultimate sense, Yud K Vav K stands above these, uh, uh, this distinction. And therefore, the Amoroim, the Tanoim said, and the Rishonim said, it makes sense to make the seats in this way. They didn't say that they saw it. Or they didn't say that that's what it was. They were discussing this idea of the, the usefulness of Kodesh and Chol in this world, according to Rav Kook. And Rav Kook said that Kodesh and Chol, Kodesh and Chol is necessary in this world in order to teach me that there is Kodesh. If I don't see a distinction, I'd never know that there's Kodesh in the world. I said that the world is meaningless. The world is meaning, in this meaningless world, I have to do a few mitzvahs. I do the mitzvahs, maybe I'll get a good spot in Olam Haba. But the world is a meaningless place for me. Along comes Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yehuda, and he says, no, it's not meaningless, according to Rav Kook. But it's a world in which there are elements of Kodesh Lashem. Right? That, that you produce the Kedusha that is associated with HaKadosh Baruch How do you produce it? By learning that there's a distinction. How do you learn there's a distinction? Because there's Chol. 
The world has hole in it. And therefore, even though it's, it's an imaginary distinction, it's an impure distinction, it's never useful. It, nevertheless, it's useful for me. So when the Kohen Gadol went to Beis HaMikdash, he said, Kodesh Lashem. He said, there's outside of the Beit HaMikdash, and there's inside of the Beit HaMikdash. That's Chol, and that's Kodesh. Does that mean anything? No. Because everybody knows that everything is Kodesh. Everything is created by God. Every clump of earth, every tree, every gra- all the grass, it doesn't make any difference. It's all Kodesh in the same way. But for us, for us it's appropriate to make a distinction in order to prove to ourselves that there's such a thing as Kodesh. Kodesh meaning uh, a, a place of sanctity, an act of sanctity, a, a, a world of sanctity, uh, someplace. That's Kodesh Hashem. However, if we think about real, there's such a thing called real, Real is not what we imagine, but real is something beyond what we imagine. We imagine that the world is a world of Kodesh and Chol, but it could be that once we learn a little bit about Kodesh, we'll understand that the world really is a world of Kodesh, that whatever happens in the world somehow is God's, it's part of God's design. And since it's part of God's design, that's called Kodesh. And therefore, the Rishonim said, the Rishon said, this might not have been appropriate for the Kohen Godot. But in theory, when they put those words on the tzitz, the word Hashem, Yudke Vovke, should be distinguishable. Because in the real understanding of things, the world is only Kodesh. The world is only Kodesh Lashem. There's only Hashem in the world and not Kodesh Lashem. So that, on the one hand, I would imagine that everybody agrees, and the Rambam also passes this the halacha, that when they put the words on the tzitz, they wrote Kodesh Lashem in a straight line, just as it says in the Pasuk. However, however, when they thought about it, they thought about what was the Kohen doing, and what was he carrying into the Beit HaMikdash, and what was he supposed to be thinking about? So 3,000 years later, Rav Cook writes that, you know, there's kind of thoughts that, we, that come to us easily, like Kodesh and Chol, and the kinds of thoughts that come to us with great difficulty, like the world is a world of Kedusha, and that the transfer from that one way of thinking to the other way of thinking is something that is represented by the, uh, uh, by the tzitz. So that the machloket is a machloket, at least according to Rav Kook, I think is a machloket in an idea. It's not a machloket about how to do it. They all agreed about how to do it. You write Kodesh Lashem like it says in the uh, it says in the pasuk. That's how the Rambam paskins, and that's how many Rishonim say it. However, however, the idea of going into the Beit Hamikdash with those words engraved on your head on a tashel zahav, on a plate that's made out of pure gold, that idea, right, can be understood in a variety of ways, including how to distribute the, uh, the words on the tashel zahav that was two etzbaot wide. Okay, have a good Shabbos.
voice. Well, well, well. If I look at this carefully, I see that Kodesh touches the uh, Ketur recorder, and the Lama does, but the Yud Kevavke is bigger. It's higher. Yeah, it's bigger. It's a space. So they did make that compromise where they made it. Right. right. That's the Rambam's position. Uh-huh. That's slightly higher. Well, well, to distinguish it. Yeah. yeah. It's not the same. But it fits into what Rav Cook says. Yeah. No meaning for my right? Lipitor. What? It works, by the way. Lipitor is the only no, medicine. No, no, no. Grapefruit juice. I'm, I'm all right. No, I'm all right. Just that when you wake up. Would I say Hashem Echad? Just grapefruit. And I see the number one. And it does work. After that, the third time, it does come down. So now that's not nothing. <laughs> oh, no. You said it has to be nothing. Ah, yeah. Those are the different kinds of meditation. Yeah. It's yeah. true. There are different yeah, forms. Yeah, does, does take my mind totally. Yeah, you're leaving. How do I turn this off? It's really annoying me. Which one? No, the off is on top, yeah. I guess you have to unlock it. Is this unlock it? Is that unlock it?